This is a Hack Inc. podcast production, brought to you by Hack Inc.'s Yo Undies. We don't just make RTM anymore. Let's face it, when you need underwear, you need underwear. With Yo Undies, you can have them. Two times the size of regular underwear, you never need to leave anything behind again. And with their vinyl interior and exterior, they only require a quick hose before they're back in action. Just go to YoUndies.com and enter in the promo code HACKISLIFE1973 to get a 2% discount on your first rental. Hackings Yo Undies. We're a business, and we don't just do cartoons now. We also do underwear and podcasts. Freemusic.com Hello and welcome to the Hack Inc. podcast. Hack Inc. is an art TM company. The TM stands for to me, as in all profits to me. Um, I am Gareth Lyons and joined by my co-CEO, CO. CEO uh, Cav. There he is. I winked at the microphone there. Yeah, yeah. he had to make the sound effect uh, to make that apparent. So, um, here we are. We're going to introduce our show. Um, Coming up later, we've got some segments. Yeah. Um, But let's let's talk a little bit about ourselves first. Okay. What people want. Yeah, what people want to hear. Cav, first part is given a 10 second timer, you have to tell us why you became interested in animation as a child because that is for a lot of listeners the least interesting part about a person's animation Ooh. career all right all right so we're going to call this segment yes <laughs> i was going to get cab to improvise the title oh. we're going to call this segment um stop or my mom will shoot named after the famous sylvester stallone movie um from rambo remember him. yeah <laughs> Okay, so we got eight seconds. Your timer starts now. I won the art competition in uh, primary school, and I just from there on in, I was just like the snow. But I didn't accept. You're done. Okay, well that that was actually probably too little time. Two seconds extra would probably yeah. Maybe it's too much pressure. We'll try it with me. My heart is beating. We'll extend the 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 right the the seconds if it's not great. Yeah. Okay, so that was our intro called Stop My Mom Will Shoot. Yeah. Um, might change it to be more uh, in keeping with... Thirst for blood, what about that? <laughs> okay. You got a new little switcheroo here now. A new switcheroo. So See you have, like it in the hot get seat. Get the timer ready for Stop My Mom Will Shoot. Yeah. Okay, cool. Bang. Oh, right, was that it? <laughs> Sorry, that was the initial go. gun. Okay. Boom. Okay, um, I got Don Conroy's book and became interested in cartoons, and then I got the Page Master video where I got the behind-the-scenes featurette. Ah! Karate chop neck! Okay, um, so that was our childhoods, just abbreviated into eight seconds, and then we met in college, and the rest, as they say, is history, okay? Leave it to the books. So, Cab, what are you doing in animation at this moment in time? Well, I gotta say, I'm... I'm just back from the old, uh, the big rotten apple, yeah. uh, New York City, and uh, decided to take it a little easy. I was working on a lot of other people's projects when I was over there, so when I returned back here to Irlanda again, um, I decided to work on a couple of different personal projects, so I've got a couple of little music videos in the rotation there nice, now at the moment, nice. and uh, but the whole thing was like, oh, what'll I do now after Christmas, and now Christmas has happened, so it's kind of yeah. like, i got to put the next foot forward yeah absolutely what about you my friend um turning right back at me well uh, yeah. as you might have seen me write down earlier on i'm yeah. actually i'm in between jobs Woo! in between <laughs> uh no i'm not so um i am yeah i was um 
yeah, I suppose my background, I went to college, graduated, then went on to work in a bunch of studios doing, uh, excuse the, the, the pun, but uh, Mickey Mouse jobs, yeah. which are just odd little, you know, kind of, oh, you did uh, interned here and did prop design there and this, that and the other. And then um, I thought, I, st- I started doing some stand-up comedy and then that got me pitching to... Uh, a few more people and um, I mean all this is for future pods but to cut a long story short uh, my friend Mark and I made a TV series for RT2 called Ends Meet which Cav also did storyboards for Ah. Ah. and um, off the back of that nothing happened Uh, it was buried very late at night and uh, with little fanfare publicity so um, I then worked in Treehouse Republic for this last year, and now we've just finished up, and I have a plans to be a writer and start doing that stuff. So I'm trying to generate pitches, and let's see what happens over the next two or three months, and maybe I'll pull something together. And if not, nice. back to the animation minds. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I guess the reason that we wanted to start this podcast is kind of... Um, to provide a resource for animators, because I know that animation people listen, get through a lot of podcasts and whatever. The Hack Fest that we have each year, for those of you who don't know, is an alternative animation festival that primarily happens in the north of Dublin, the north side. And um, we um, have enjoyed some success for the past five years, so I felt like I'd spin, spin the brand out a bit more and uh, make a podcast and talk about the Irish animation scene. So, you can't talk about the Irish animation scene without talking about a certain uh, a certain uh, Mr. Don Bluth, am I right? Yeah. And so uh, Donny boy. So we decided that this is what our first episode would be about. Free music. So, yeah, um Bluth uh, again do the 8 second job for his childhood. Um, lived in rural Texas. Um, don't do the eight, actually, because I won't be able to remember it. So <laughs> I think he lived in rural Texas. He used to go to the cinema on a, on a horse to watch uh, Disney films and just had an interest there, you know. That's it. So again, um, you know, uh, this is our section, Stop My Mom Will Shoot, which we've now decided to relabel. Um, everybody watched cartoons when they were younger. Everyone watches cartoons when they were younger. So, Bluth then, this is cr- pretty crazy now. Um, Bluth actually started working for Disney in 1955, okay, at the age of 18. Wow. Yeah, he worked for uh, John Lounsbury as an assistant during Sleeping Beauty, okay, which is insane to think. Yeah. Um, then uh, in 1957, only two years later, he left. Because of his Mormon faith, he went to a mission on a mission in Argentina. He returned two and a half years later and started up a musical theater company with his brother. And then uh, eventually he went back to animation and filmation, but didn't feel challenged enough and then went back to Disney full time. Wow, well, he had a little bit of an Android Lloyd Webber sort of dip what there a for a little strange, while. Like, um, yeah, so his Mormon faith, and I wanted to read into that more, and I couldn't really find out all that much. But yeah, what ended up happening was the more I found out about Bluth, the more I kind of warmed to him. Oh, yeah. Because I was incredibly cynical, mm. you know? And I still am. There are vast chunks of it that are, you know, I'm pretty cynical about. 
because there is a kind of pride in the animation industry where it's like, you know, you know, these are the Dublin lads that get fucking, you know, misty eyed and be like, oh, remember now the days of working in uh, Sullivan and Bluth, you'd head in there and like all you'd have on your back was, you know, you know, the shirt you came in with. And, uh, you know, there was one pencil to share between us, but, uh, you know, and it was, you know, it, was, it depended on whose day it was to animate. You could be, you could be waiting hours, you know? <laughs> Uh, and it's just all this kind of stuff and then you look at what they did and it's like production assistant you know what I mean it's like receptionist yeah. and it's like okay cool I don't like I'm not begrudging anybody who has some sort of pride in their job but like it almost feels like this old guard of people who are just romanticizing this era where it's being like, a sharpener yeah because like you're kind of like you know um, I was like I was saying to you earlier. It's like, oh, it's very cheap in Bulgaria, but they don't speak English, so maybe Ireland. Yeah, you know what I mean. Could have literally been anywhere. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I was kind of cynical about the motivation behind Sullivan and Bluth being in Ireland, and I, I don't know if I entirely believed the idea that it was for artistic reasons. Mm. And you know, it's not entirely, but at the same time. I came to believe that Bluth believed that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's continue on with this history and appraisal. Mm. Sorry, I'm just like saying stuff at you. No, it's, I just like just adding in catchphrases. Yeah, here and there. you'll be like uh, uh, Flavor Flav. Yeah, the pod, that's you know? it. And you'll just be like, oh, damn. Yeah, <laughs> I'm your hype man. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly Go it. Go off. Yeah. Um, so, Woody okay. Woo. Woo. So here's what, on the next bit. So we're, we were at, he went back to work full-time in Disney in 1971. Mm -hmm. During this time, he met Gary Goldman and John Pomeroy. And they began working in Bluth's garage initially with just exercises to relearn past techniques from the old masters. Ah. Um, because one of the funnier things I read is that the nine old men were basically like pioneers. Yeah. And they didn't like write down anything. So they said that they would approach these guys and they would be like, how did you do that water effect? And he'd be like, oh, I don't remember. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they used their salaries and exercised stock options to buy a number of pieces of animation equipment, including a moviola. They pitched this uh, short called Banjo the Woodpile Cat to the head of Disney at the time, who was the son-in-law of Walt, yeah. called Ron Miller. Ron Miller didn't like it. Uh, but they decided that they were going to make it anyway and began to juggle making it at the weekends yeah. uh, and evenings. Um, and this was all while they were, I think, working on Fox and the Hound and also Bluth was directing a short called The Small One, you know? Hmm. The Small One, um, this was kind of considered a changing of the guard as Eric Larson, who was one of the nine old men, yeah. was meant to direct it. But they gave it to Bluth instead because they were Passed impressed down. with his work on Pete's Dragon. I think he was the animation director on that. Huh. So anyhow, um, this is the part that's interesting to me. I think you like this one. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so basically, people started to believe... Um, that there was like a division working in the studio whereby people who worked on Bluetooth projects on the weekends tend to be favored for scenes on the small one, you know? Yeah. And so uh, this kind of divide started to become between people and uh, one group became known as the Bluthies and the other one was known as the Mouseketeers. Oh, yeah. wow. And I found out that former members of the Mouseketeers were, um, watch my jigger. Um, directed that Mission Impossible movie Brad Bird 
Oh yeah. Uh, who's the fucking guy who directed Nightmare Before Christmas? Again? Tim Burton. No, that's a. Actually, he only produced that. He oh, wrote oop. the story that it was based on. Oops. But actually, he uh, he did not. That's not a frame of that. It's his, his work. Um, but uh, but like um, which is anyway, go on about that. But um, <laughs> not, not not my annoyance. But I hate when people bring it up as a point yeah. of kind of it's such a table quiz question. Isn't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, no, it, he directed James and Giant Peach, and he directed um, Coraline. Fucking hell. This is killing me. Name's not coming to me, my friend. No, I wrote it down, but then I removed it because Henry Selleck, fucking there you hell, go. it took way too long. Nice. So anyway, those are two people involved. There was more, but like, you don't want to hear me trying to remember stuff for the next time, you know. <laughs> so anyway, the division became so much. Basically, Bluth wanted to do more expensive uh, forms of animation and try and recapture the old Disney magic, okay? Yeah. Whereas they were sparkle, looking sparkle. at more and yeah, looking at more uh, cost-effective ways of uh, making animation, yeah. animated films. So then, this is the part. This is another example of what makes it makes you know you're to and fro and on Bluth. Yeah, because you know I mean? you're like, okay, oh, fair enough. He leaves, yeah. and he, but then he left. Uh, him, both him and Goldman resigned on September seventeenth, nineteen seventy nine, which was Don Bluth's birthday. So it was very intentionally done to be yeah. on his birthday. And it's kind of like... He woke up that morning and he knew exactly what he did. He blew out the candles on the coffee and he said, I'm fucking, yeah. I'm out of here. I just find that so bizarrely narcissistic. Do you know what I mean? And the idea of having a group of people named after you, the Bluthies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And these people who were like aspiring to be in your studio and meeting up on weekends to yeah. do this stuff. It's kind of like, like you're not getting paid for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the, not that, uh, like, yeah. I can imagine the... Because I imagine that the people in the studio probably like all signed the card from as well. I'd say he probably ripped that up. Yeah. Well, no, no. He he like you know what. This is the other thing. This became the next day. Eleven more animators left. Uh, became known as. It's the, all their birthdays as well. <laughs> it became known as the Disney Exodus, where a third of the animation department left, forcing Fox and the Hound to be delayed by a whole year. Whoa. Yeah. So Ron Miller was not happy about that. Yeah. Apparently he was so annoyed that he told them all to be out of the studio by noon that day once oh. they handed in the resignation. And he but, was uh, going to release a lot of hounds into the studio. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of foxes. and no. Yeah. yeah. But um, he... It's a bloodbath. Yeah. So, but this is another thing. So, you know, you kind of think like, oh, that's a bit shit, kind of a mass resignation. Yeah. Um, but an interesting point raised by some reports was the fact that the walkout took all of Disney's female animators. Which was interesting because Don explained this one in in one report. Don explained this in one report. He said the women left out of a certain loyalty to me, and because the atmosphere of Disney is sometimes oppressive to women. For years, women have been assistant animators there, but they rarely let them get higher. So little double sided there. I felt on that one. Yeah, like I don't, I don't like that loyalty to him know, sort yeah. of thing. Is he some sort of like? Skeletal oh, god. Well, he is very narcissistic. Yeah. That is one hundred percent clear. I mean, he he definitely saw himself as like the second coming of Disney. Of Disney yeah. You know? Well, at least the I suppose the good thing was that you know he had the intention as well to take that like ceiling that was above their heads away that uh, Disney had enforced. In I mean, the first place. I mean, there's still you know it's one of those annoying things reading up on him because he's somebody who definitely was motivated and kind of you know out there personality I suppose yeah. who's just like went out and started his own studio a lot of it is very glowing yeah. so it's very hard to like follow up all this stuff yeah. all the female animators left and you just go like okay well 
what was their position in your studio did they move up yeah. what's the way to verify that I mean I could well, go through all the credits but uh, I'm not entirely mm, sure you know it's what I mean it's kind of loosey goosey yeah yeah I mean the landscape today would kind of is still uneven mm-hmm. so I mean I'm not going to say he had nothing no involvement but it's one of those things you have to just be critical of because it's kind of like you know and again like you say yeah he, he you know women left out of a loyalty to me Zoinks. it's that weird like you have to be a you know massively narcissist yeah to kind of women love me yeah men the, the, the want to kiss me love me uh bringing up our new slogan frames before dames yeah yeah so um <laughs> Well, days before frames. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. So anyway. Um, okay. One last point about that. Okay. Yeah. You have like the nine old men. Okay. Yeah. And then you have this Pixar collective that eventually came around in the mid nineties yeah. or whatever. And then you have the trifecta with uh, Pomeray, Goldman and Bluth. Yeah. They're still all lads. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. not like, like is you can kind of pat yourself on the back all you want for being progressive. And it's like, but um, as like it appears later in the story that a lot of people needed to cut out on their own in the later years of Bluth. But essentially, like, you know, all of these people who strike out on their own end up becoming what they hated most in the end and, you know, end up, you know, whether intentionally or unintentionally suppressing women. Yeah. Uh, one minor little anecdote as well, you know, that amazing letter that somebody got back that they kept which was yes. the female animator who sent mm-hmm. it to Disney during the 50s or 60s yep. um, look that up online anybody who hasn't seen it but literally just telling her uh, no we don't have female animators but you can uh, you know paint cells if you want <laughs> you know? give me so a there break you go. fuck off Disney um, <laughs> so let's go on so Don finished up work on Banjo at his garage and quickly moved to a larger facility in Studio City in 1980. The two-story building was located behind the bank on Ventura Boulevard. Why am I fucking reading this? <laughs> this time in Because that's where Don would lose his virginity for the first time. <laughs> it was a very important time in his life. <laughs> uh, he saved himself till marriage, uh, as Mormons are wont to do. Yeah. So, um, he probably did. God, that's such an image. Um <laughs> So this, I, I have highlighted something here because I thought this was worthy. I think... Yeah? Yeah, this is worthy of something. It's in bold. More than at Disney, Don became a beacon to animation enthusiasts around the world. The studio became deluged with people wanting to work on the new projects. This is a quoting now from, artic- from a book. Oh, uh, right. Uh, of which uh, it'll be in the description below. Um, I don't have it in front of me now, but it was a very good resource for this podcast. I'm licking the thumb to turn the page. But this one is pretty much symptomatic of kind of my conflict with Bluth, you know Mm. what I mean? Um, So the tight budget meant that wages could not be high, but the artist didn't care. Many would have probably worked for free. There was an excitement and enthusiasm not seen in animation in possibly decades. Don's crew worked seven-day weeks, 10- and 12-hour days, with no overtime. Every worker was committed to making the film the best ever created. After years of management dictating to animation, now the animators were in charge. And this guy is like, hands on hips, yeah, there you go, you know? Wow. But it's all in kind of aid of what in the end? Do you know what I mean? Um, Whew. So anyway, uh, that was to work on Banjo, but then, and I think eventually Secret of Nim. Yeah. So Aurora Productions backed Blute's first film, The Secret of Nim, which received critical praise, but poor box office return on its release in 1982. This coupled with an animator's strike against outsourcing American jobs, ironically, meant the company declared bankruptcy. Do you know? 
Uh-oh. So that's bankruptcy number one. Yeah. They were reformed under the name The Bluth Group to make Dragon's Lair, which proved a success. But once again, the arse fell out of the arcade game industry shortly after its release in 1983, forcing the studio once again into bankruptcy. Uh-oh. Number two. Um, so... During this period, though, uh, working for, I think it's called Animatronics, they were the ones who withheld money for Dragon's Lair that was owed to Bluth, which basically forced them to declare bankruptcy. Yeah. Uh, during this period, Bluth met Morris Sullivan. Ah, Morris. Ah, who introduced him to Steven Spielberg, and they set up a three-picture deal. The first of which of these pictures was An American Tale, which was a smash at the box office. They then moved on to Land Before Time, and Sullivan drew up plans for a move to Ireland, with tax incentives provided by the Irish government. Ooh la la. Mwah. So, <laughs> um, so that's kind of... I, there's two points to raise in that that I thought were interesting, which is um, the idea of, like, the work, the art is so important. So, you know, we got to stick it to the man and we got to make these films yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, people are just not getting paid, you know? Yeah. Which is something that I think still lingers in animation to this day. Unfortunately so. And then um, the other thing that was interesting is the first bankruptcy de- they declared being a re- um, partial result of the 1982 worker strike about outsourcing jobs. Yeah. When they would later go on to have a s- studio yeah. set up in Ireland. Have a know? little, yeah. Once again, Ireland benefits from the uh, kind of... I wouldn't say corruption necessarily, but like kind of, do you know this, what's that double Dutch or whatever it's called with the, where there's a corporate tax rate here, which is, you know, means that Facebook basically is able to launch. Oh yeah. And Apple and the rest of the boys. Yeah, exactly. So skulking around. So there you go. It was kind of, uh, um, in 1982, no, sorry, 1986 equivalent to that. So there you go. Um, now we're into 1986, which is, the time of Sullivan and Bluth. Yeah. Uh, from which we heard in the Animation Inc. documentary that Sullivan was adamant that his name be first because he felt that the Irish would respond to it. Yep. Maybe they did. Who we, knows? Yeah. Um, in late... This is interesting. Okay. Um, Hit me. So, yeah. There's just a... Apparently, they, there was a transition period. In late 1986, Bluth began to move to Ireland in the middle of production on The Land Before Time. Due to the studio's move to Ireland, the film was actually delayed for another several months. The crew of artists arrived to find the studio still not ready for full production. Month after month passed as they scrambled to find any workspace or desk, uh, which were still in the process of being built when the crew arrived. Wow. Those desks, I think, have ended up in Ballyfermot and also in IEDT. Yeah. So you, anybody could be drawn at those desks. If you're an IEDT person, I don't know. Would I've scratched my initials into that desk. Yeah. Another boy did a swastika into one of those desks, yeah. actually, out of disrespect to the land before time. Yeah, that, that's animation heritage you're carving. Uh, yeah. You're, do, no, actually, it was disrespect, uh, you know, the, an American tale. <laughs> oh, <laughs> The same studio that made the, the Jewish mouse go yeah. into America, you know? Oy vey. Yeah. Oisky poisky. <laughs> um, <laughs> in autumn of 1987, Sullivan and Bluth announced plans for both a commercial TV division and a live action production. Place, oh. Uh, which never happened, obviously. Of course, yeah. So, by the end of 1989, Sullivan and Bluth announced an alliance with Ballyfermot Senior College to create the Irish School of Classical Animation. Sullivan and Bluth, this is a quote, Sullivan and Bluth is working toward an all-Irish crew, stated Don. At the moment, 75% of our staff of 350 are Irish and our team has never been better. The employee profit share plan we have developed should encourage the young Irish to make the animation industry their own. Wow. 
75% of Mossies and Sinead's working in the studio. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. I love that the idea as well because it's like Fine Gael, again, being the absolute cynic that I am, I'm just going to put mm-hmm. that out there. It's true, you know. But like, you know, Fine Gael put out a poster and it'll be like, you know, 500 new jobs created and then you look it up and it's like IT analyst, IT supervisor. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. So, um, spoiler alert for our review of All Dogs Go to Heaven <laughs> later on. But uh, looking at the credits, it was like all of the main names definitely American and all of a sudden you start to see Callahan and Shotnessy blah 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 yeah. and it's all the people who are inking and Xerox uh, Xeroxing which was obviously a huge deal um, not to poo poo all them jobs but uh, I'm just saying that you know the quality of work isn't matching what they're saying at the moment making yeah. the studio your own um, but again that's just me being a cynic you have to start somewhere sorry about that Fully settled in Ireland, Don was making pictures the way he wanted to. Sullivan and Bluth was a respected studio in Ireland, a big fish. In December of 1990, there was even an announcement that the Irish government and Sullivan and Bluth were investigating the creation of a Disneyland-like theme park to build in Ireland. Whoa! The proposed Dublin-based park would feature characters from Sullivan and Bluth films. Sullivan and Bluth films. Wow. That one just like cracked me up. Imagine that having a theme park in Ireland. I mean, Jesus, just Tato Park, obviously. Yeah, but, you know. I was just thinking Tato Park yeah. was the first one came to mind, but you'd have, I don't know, just a load of dogs in a yeah. in a in a in like a casino together, basically from all dogs go to heaven, and then like a lot of mice racing around the place yeah. chasing cheese. So then the funny thing was, um, I I didn't mention earlier, but one of the reasons. Um, so yeah, I guess Sullivan must have heard that the Irish um, were looking for jobs. It yeah. was, you know, the 1980s, so of course they were. And you see these going around. Yeah, they were trying to create tax incentives for people to set up. So they went over there and uh, told them, well, we'd set up an animation studio here. Um, because they had to pay the workers too much in America. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sorry. So, um no, okay, I mean, okay, whatever, fuck it. I'm not going to stop apologizing for being cynical. Everyone should be this cynical, you know? I know you um, So anyway, um, but one of the things that happened was the IDA offered one of the biggest investment grants in Irish history, okay? And it basically meant that the Irish government owned 5% of the Sullivan Bluth Company, which was funny because later on, with a dispute with one of their partners or distributors that meant that there actually had to be a vote in Dáil Éireann about the future of the Sullivan Bluth Company. And uh, it was funny reading the citation for that because the citation was from uh, Dáil Éireann documents. Wow. Yeah. So I thought that was really funny that like, you know, again, like our relationship with corporations. Do you know what I mean? Very funny. You've done it again. So now we're all caught up... Um, so we were at like, what was it, 1990 now? And they're in full swing on All Dogs Go to Heaven, okay? Um, but on All Dogs Go to Heaven, we saw, when we saw in the intro, we saw um, Goldcrest were a partner, yeah. okay? Now, one of the things that's very difficult about following Sullivan, Sullivan Bluth is that um, there is a lot of corporate stuff going on. So it's incredibly hard to keep track of all of the names of the various productions and partnerships that they formed yeah. to stay afloat from their entire inception, you know? So sometimes you'd be reading something and then they go, oh, because of a dispute with a partner. And then you're not sure who that partner is, okay? Yeah. So... Um, but this is Goldcrest. Goldcrest. So in 1991, I think this was... Um, 
all dogs go to heaven they regard as like their feature film that is kind of the most bluth and uh, where there was the least amount of people looking over their shoulder because remember I said they had a three picture deal with Steven Spielberg but Steven Spielberg just saw cartoons as being for children yeah. so he was like no so you're to wrong, make this child friendly yeah um so American Tale and uh, Land Before Time are a lot more sanitized than Bluth would have liked um, and apparently relations soured between them and eventually uh, the third picture wasn't made and they formed another partnership with Goldcrest. Yeah. So, and then started up work in... Um, Malahide. In Ireland. And um, this is where they started making this film and again, it was like the one with the least amount of involvement from... Um, execs and higher ups and it was released opposite The Little Mermaid and it was destroyed critically and commercially it really suffered yeah. and um, the a mermaid's gonna float a big bag of dogs isn't <laughs> what ended up happening I think it made money back on VHS which led to all of the like straight to video sequels mm. that happened but one of the things um that um, happened as a result, I guess, is that Goldcrest started to get cold feet because remember that Bluth uh, in previous iterations had suffered two bankruptcies already. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, I think that they got another partner. Again, hard to figure out who this was. This was like some sort of like a Chinese company or something right. like that or like yeah. World Media Star or some bullshit, okay. you know? And um, they were, because of the flops that would come, they became more anxious about you know um the financial stability of it and they basically um oversaw the pebble and the penguin in a serious way and um don bluth and uh, gary goldman wanted their names to be taken off the project by the end of it and uh, that was the last film by the studio and it closed its doors in 1995 when one of the main financial partners again can't figure out who that is backed out yeah so that's it Bluth and Goldman went off to start Fox Animation Studios. That is now no longer exists. Yeah. They made Anastasia and Titan AE. Titan AE was the last one. So where are they today, you yeah. may ask? Where are they? Where, where are they? Um, <laughs> Wait, there's Ton Bluth oh there. Oh, my God. Um, looking skeletal as all hell. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, basically, what happened is they are trying to make a Dragon's Lair prequel movie. So they went on to Kickstarter to try and fund that. Um, but what they were trying to fund was a 500, they were trying to get 500 grand to make a pitch trailer that wouldn't be available to the general public. Oh, that that's, you're studios. asking too much again, Donny yeah. boy. So Come then what on. happened with uh, Kickstarter, one of their rules was like, you can't actually fund something that isn't publicly available. Yeah. So then what ended up happening was the Kickstarter was nowhere near reaching its goal. Um, it was at like about 200 and something thousand. Yeah. So they cancelled the Kickstarter, set up an Indiegogo, which has a flexible goal, which means no matter how much money people pledge, you get to keep the money. Yeah. The Kickstarter, if they pledge the money and you don't reach the goal, then you don't get any of it. Yeah. So then they set their goal lower at 250 grand, and then okay. I think they exceeded it by about 100 grand. Okay, okay? so they got 350 so then they smackers. Said, we should be able to make this uh, pitch trailer in the next... Um, 21 weeks or something like that. All right. That was about two years ago. Yeah. And there's been no word of it since. It's been 100 weeks now at this stage. Yeah, something like that. Um, anyway, I was looking up the comments on Indiegogo. Uh, one of them posted as recently as just a few weeks ago. 
This was 206% funded. Is there any update on the actual production of this film and not on Don Bluth's fil- pri- fil- sorry, on Don Bluth's private business ventures unrelated to this campaign? Ooh. That was posted an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, one day ago, Jonathan Walker two days ago said the updates on this project have become an ad mailing list for Don's animation school. I'm not an artist, though I love Don's work. Even if I was, I'm 40 with a job and wouldn't be able to make it. Well, um, when can we expect an actual update? I want to unsubscribe because every update gets my hopes up then and it's just another ad for the classes. I want to know about the project. Somebody responded, indeed, and comments criticizing the fact are being deleted. I reported this to Indiegogo for whatever good it may do. feel like we're being trolled. Big time. So that's what happened there. One of the trolls from the dragon lair. And if you, <laughs> and if you want a, a nice little article about that, um, it was written by uh, Edie Amid on Cartoon Brew. Uh, it's simply called Don Bluth doesn't need money to make Dragon's Lair. <laughs> um, oh, I was un- I was unaware of that. Damn! It shouldn't be that hard to convince somebody to give you money for a pitch trailer. Yeah. You know. Um, so they're taking it from ordinary people, and then also you need to pay something like sixty five dollars to actually see the pitch thing. Yeah. So you if you pay below sixty five, you won't actually be able to watch. I was going to say that as a joke earlier with the Kickstarter yeah. thing that. If they were going to make it private, that like the top um, contributor or whatever would like earn the password to the. Yeah. No. That's it, pathetic. Yeah. Good so it's grief. incredibly miserable, but also it's pitched material. So what ends up happening is they pitch the movie. If they're successful, they get the movie. Yeah. But these financiers, you know, you don't have to answer to them because you gave them the pitch yeah. already. So they can make however much money off of it, but nobody who invested in that original pitch will get anything back from it. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, like, like I said, I do genuinely believe that he believes in artistic value. And I do believe that, you know, if you believe in something, then, you know, it's okay to put in the extra bit of effort if you yeah, want to. Absolutely. But when you start making like money and getting like huge amounts of grants and stuff like this, do you know what I mean? With and, no result, with no real result now, especially yeah. in this case. And it just makes you think twice about this guy who's like, oh, I'm in it for the love of it. And it's like taking, you know, up close to 500 grand off of people yeah. not giving anything back from yeah. it. It's like, I don't know. Free music. All dogs go to heaven. A film about a, a lovable German shepherd called uh, Charlie who ends up uh, being murdered and going to heaven and then going back to get revenge on the dog who killed him who owns a casino for some reason. And then they meet a girl who can talk to animals and use her to win money in the people world. And then, I don't know, everybody learns a lesson along the way. Yeah. So I think, but the thing that, you know, so the movie starts off and he's leaving the pound. Okay. They're escaping. Yeah. And they're getting shot at by guns. Bang. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. And then they arrive in... This weird barge that's a casino, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then the dogs are betting on rats, okay? So they're betting on rats. And then... We're in kind of like a greyhound yeah. race situation being chasing yeah. around SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A bit of cheese. Yeah. And uh, and then, so the guy, the little dog goes up and he's like, I want the money on the dog there. And they're like, only food. You can only pay him food. Yeah. And then they win like T-bone steaks. And you're like, okay, that's kind of adorable, I guess. Yeah. And then they're like drinking and smoking and then the yeah. dog dies and he goes to heaven. And all dogs go to heaven. 
So even though he's drinking, smoking and gambling, which are all these vices that were, you're apparently not supposed to have, he still goes to heaven, yeah. gets his clock or whatever, you know, which is like his lifespan, tweaks it back, goes back to earth to try and reap revenge. And it's like the only advantage that he has is that you're, the guy who killed him doesn't know that he has returned, has returned. on the third so day. Using this human child, they go off and get money. Yeah. And then they use the money to buy a casino. Yeah. Yeah. But like earlier on in the movie, they're all betting on food, with food. Food, with red meat. Yeah, to win food. Yeah. And then, um, and also the other thing that was weird about it was that he invests in a frog. So even though they were racing rats at the start. Then All of a sudden, then, yeah, there's a brief stint in France, apparently. Yeah, and then he makes his... <laughs> and and the, the frog who wins then is rewarded by a bucket of flies, which yeah, I found particularly gross. disgusting. Yeah, and then, oh. um, like, pretty much my main feeling on a, a lot of blue things, this absolute meandering string of stories and stuff yeah. like that. And you're just kind of like, they don't... They're not cohesive in any way. How does they don't this, come it, does, it doesn't particularly fit together. I mean, no. they've been like trying to put a jigsaw together, but they've been slicing off a few pieces in the yeah. meantime. Yeah, exactly. And then the um, the voice direction is bizarre. Like I can never tell what's going on from second to second because they're kind of muttering. Do you know? Yeah. Did you get that with a him? lot of like a lot of under the breath sort of thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then. Um, the musical numbers were truly oh, atrocious. God. I've never seen, I've never heard worse musical numbers in anything in my life, yeah. I don't think. And, um, um, and the colors for it were fucking garish. You know what I mean? Like, I'd say I enjoyed them, but I'm just saying that it did not make for a pleasant, consistent experience. For how many paints we actually saw in the, documentary Fuck, earlier on to mention that in animation inc <laughs> another positive there was a lot of paints yeah it was crazy to see that we process. thought we thought that was cool yeah but uh for as many paints as there were in the documentary they couldn't seem to find any decent ones to put into that fucking <laughs> film fucking hell like i mean th- this is again i'm and another thing i'm going to bring back to our overall criticism of bluth is that he keeps saying like you know, Disney was a natural born storyteller and we need to go back to a classical style of animation where story and uh, movement are intertwined and we're creating this kind of yeah. whatever. And then you like look at a film like that and you're like, it's the most baffling. Yeah. Every decision seems crazy. Yeah. You know, like it's funny that the two good ones, you know, by many people's estimate, An American Tale yeah. and Land Before Time were made in partnership with Steven Spielberg, who would always be the kind of person who would hammer out a structure and be like, we need to write this, do this. I hear George Lucas actually wrote a lot of Land Before Time, oh. surprisingly enough. Oh. I mean, but like they were they were trying to figure out how to work the story. But in this one, it's like, you know, they're like showing off about no executive oversight. And yet what happens is like, it's just... Uh, a mess you know it just makes no fucking sense did uh Steven Spielberg do Land Before well did he do Land Before Time pre or was that pre or post pre Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park yeah and that lad is mad for dinosaurs yeah and also pre We're Back as well which he also did Burt Reynolds who literally sounds like play, playing the voice of Charlie yeah who sounds like he what is just fucking 
in some studio and literally recording for about half an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like then all those lines. Here. All those lines. Like, bro, that's great. Can we get that again? No. No. No, you may not. I got to do a new Smokey and the Bandit sequel. Yeah. So... Dom DeLuise is great. I mean, I like his voice. Yeah. But I mean... I actually thought he was Dustin Hoffman at the start. Really? Yeah. Okay, right. And then um, that little girl, I oh, fucking broke my heart. She is like... I mean, there's always that tragic story that we've heard already about like... She what? did the voice of Ducky, I think yeah. you said, in Land Before Time. And, yeah. And then uh, tragically murdered by her father. Um, but like, I think... I know it's weird. I, I know maybe I'm doing it unconsciously just because I know that story. But I was like pinpointing that performance both in animation yeah. and in audios. And like, there's a bit where she gets like falls on a beam and then the fire starts around. It's like, and I was literally like, You were scared. I was like, Yeah, he's over here. Like, the whole movie, I'm just like up and down from the laptop, like, Yeah, okay, cool, whatever. But like, when she was in danger, I was like, Fuck, get over yeah. there. Like, she's like proper, like, and then the animation when her heart broke when he said that horrible thing was like yeah. fucking hell. And that voice acting is incredible. Like everything about that whole thing is is amazing. So yeah. like I think that was a, that was a real saving grace of the film for me. Very much so. There would be moments where they would dip into things and you'd go like, oh wow. Yeah. And then basically whenever they were trying to compete with Disney, those were the worst parts of the movie. Yeah. Just do just you know? forget forget about it. Like. Yeah, because like the the musical numbers like say were terrible yeah and they were put a good dog down yeah and like we said oh god should have there was um (laughs) should have put that dog down should have put that dog down um so (laughs) the but like it was funny because it was competing against the little mermaid which obviously little mermaid like think about blew it out of the water well in terms of songs oh yeah i mean you know under the sea everyone's gonna everyone remembers under the sea no one knows what was the song? What was the the ballad sung by the alligator, the racist oh alligator? Oh, the racist alligator! I forgot about that. I You're forgot that they sang anything. Um, did they say, "I want to just, I want to sing with you." Oh, that was so dumb. That was yeah. so awful. I mean, I think like overall, the film looks ambitious and colorful, and kind of is executed with definite kind of like people being excited about yeah. what they're doing. But like the the end result, like I say, is just this kind of um, sloppy, inconsistent yeah. thing that has just moments of genius. Especially the hell scene, the one where Charlie goes to hell, is an incredible scene. Yeah, remember? I think we both agreed on that. Like hell yeah. itself was actually the highlight of that film. Yeah, it's very hell and cool. the little girl, amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very much like the film itself is like for someone who doesn't like their food to mix on. A plate of dinner that you've been served. Yeah, your peas and carrots are all over the air. Yeah, touching yeah, each other yeah. the entire. That's what exactly. That, so you don't want to get in here, guys. Yeah, no. There's just no cohesion, and like, it's it's it just feels um, hyperactive. Like somebody's got like ADHD. Yeah. Just like, oh god, and then they race mice. Oh, actually no frogs. Oh, yeah. okay. And then they're drinking loads of beer and they get fucking hammered, all right. And they're <laughs> smoking, all right. Yeah. But then like you know, oh, and then the dog he's really evil. Um, and then he might go to hell, but also he's the devil. Yeah. Do you remember that scene where he just turned into looking like the devil for a second? Yeah. And then it was like, yeah, it was just that's, all over the place. Curl up um, those features a little bit. Yeah, it just needed to. I don't. I'm not. Um. I'm not against going outside the box. No. I am against it as a band name. 
Mm. But uh, <laughs> but sometimes there's it's if there's multiple boxes yeah, yeah. and you're just dipping in and out of all of them like a game of squares. It was in tonally bizarre. But I mean, I love I really like tonally bizarre films in in like I love like yeah that type of like crazy off the wall kind of creativity. But like. I think trying to aim for being Disney and missing the mark so spectacularly is quite obvious, you know. Very much so, Especially yeah. when like there's like that scene that is like the midnight call or whatever the thing, you know, the thing in One Hundred and One Dalmatians where all the dogs yeah, are talking to each other. Yeah. So it was like that and then the little girl like very reminiscent of Snow White, you know. She was like Snow White Junior and then her adopted parents, I think we said was Roger and from One Hundred and One Dalmatians. Uh, Roger from One Hundred and then you've got the fairy godmother from yeah. Cinderella. But he's still Every frame of it Is telegraphing I am the next Disney Yeah You know what I mean A Bluth Studios thing Because you kind of forget Like Disney is Like Walt Disney's name Yeah So the idea of having your name Your thing being Bluth Productions as well Is They were I mean Even in other things That I read up in him He was very much trying to be They realised the power of Walt Disney's brand and name Yeah So they were trying to make Bluth into that but anytime you see him being interviewed, he is not Walt Disney. Anyway, the point I'm trying to get at is that, yeah, this movie is a big calling card, like a Disney hodgepodge, but um, by somebody who's too fascinated by movement and, um, you know... Doesn't know the importance of a still image to contrast that. Oh, yeah. And this, like there's like the shots constantly moving. Everything's going a mile yeah. a minute. The colors are just like, you know, like they, they are doing like these crazy like it was almost like bashki wasn't it yeah like those type of pink orange yeah. washes you yeah know? so like i was quite surprised that this is supposed to be the the disciplined dark mm. animator the story teller that walt was and trying to bring it back it's like you know uh high point the hell scene yeah and then low point probably the rest of the movie what did you think about the part where uh the dog made a a a yellow oh, face yeah. and put like a symbol on top of its yeah, head yeah unfortunately there was a couple of uh, choice uh, racial stereotypes in that film which were yeah. pretty on the nose yeah. and it wasn't a wet nose it wasn't one of those no. healthy wet nose dogs nice. either it was a crusty old bluth nose I loved uh, sniffing around for cash <laughs> yeah. when like yeah and the alligator with this like big massive lips and a yeah. bone through its nose yeah like, what was on the it had some sort of hat as well oh like a voodoo be, hat yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it was in the bayou and stuff, so, yeah. you know. They said New Orleans in the 1930s for whatever reason. Is that the that, jazz that didn't, I don't know why they chose that. Like, the, I don't know, it was a weird one. It just, it didn't need to be New Orleans at all, really. Apart no. from maybe just because of that alligator was there. And then also the, the other thing was um, that it, when it came to all of the animals banding together and trying to save Charlie, they definitely felt like they were running through the streets of London. Yeah. So that was strange. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to write down I, I, I also wrote down You would never see smoking And drinking Or one of the main characters Being drunk In a movie Oh I want to say as well yeah. About how much It feels like uh, It, it promo- seems to promote Gambling to minors Because there doesn't Really yeah. seem to be Any downside really You don't see anybody any... Particularly down on their look At all Yeah um, There wasn't any Sort of um, There wasn't any Sort of um, Comeuppance For anybody Who yeah. was gambling Because like I said He got him to heaven Yeah Um not that there's necessarily anything wrong with gambling. It's just a, quite a bizarre thing in a children's movie. Yeah. So it's kind of okay. Kind of cool to see that, you know. Um, the Mickey Mouse watch that was in the clock that room. A, yeah. That was funny. Again, was another projecting. Um, 
And then I have written down here, uh, they're so desperate to have movement that they have gratuitous dance numbers, like when he's in heaven and he starts yeah. dancing with the dog for no reason. That was, yeah. He says, oh, do you want to dance? And she's like, sure. And then they start dancing and then they just continue on the conversation. Yeah. So that was strange. He was just schmoozing her. And then I also mentioned that it's funny that they have drinking, gambling and smoking, but they don't seem to be allowed to show guns because they had a laser gun firing him at the end. Yeah. Which was also strange. What was going on there? And he was shot by that as well, and yet there was no... Yeah. So that was it. Those are my notes written up on the thing. That's what we um, <laughs> had written down. Um, I would give that... I'm going to just go with my one first. That's yeah, okay. go, please May I? do. What would you give it, Gareth? I'd actually give it three out of five. And it's... I know. Whoa, that, I thought that was going to be three out of ten. No, three out of five, um, because I actually, for all my bitching and moaning, the... Parts that I liked about the movie came just, you just, loved. I loved them. They like beat them by, beat like the parts that I li- disliked about the movie were like cringy and awful. Yeah. And I could see myself as like a five-year-old or whatever age, just being like, oh, the song is terrible. But yeah, like I say, the, that central performance from, that, well, not one of them, but you know, the little girl. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. And the hell scene was amazing yeah and again all my bitching about the colors i was like i'm glad somebody did it even though it meant for a very jarring inconsistent mm. film that i felt was constantly trying to book me off you yeah know? yeah it's like you're watching this and it's like pink green yellow yeah. orange and i was like your eyes are just going like what, where are you what's yeah. happening yeah you know like and the fades the fucking fades do you remember oh boy they really fucking cheaped out on that sort of one that's oh, all i'll say god um, so anyway, star wipes. I'm gonna give it three out of five for that, just because I, that when it was good, it was very, very good. But when it was bad, it was rotten. Cab <laughs> over to you. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with a four out of ten. Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Four bones out of ten. Why would you give it that? Um, just uh, overall, I just don't think it's story-wise. I think it's fairly poor. I didn't particularly care about any of the characters too much yeah animation it's like fair it's, it wouldn't be my up my alley in terms yeah. of animation or style I suppose just going off how much it seemed to be ripped off how many different characters in it seemed to be ripped off from Disney very showy <laughs> yeah as well the movement was just kind of like like it was very like they keep saying in all these things as a positive like oh they were letting loose they were having fun yeah. it's like I don't want to no real. I just didn't fun. think that they hit the characters <laughs> yeah on it seemed like everybody was animated each character was animated the exact same way right where it should be i feel like each one should be distinct in the way that it's acted so this is called whistle while we work uh where uh cav and i and any guests we may have on the show um we'll tell you all about a podcast that we're listening to at the moment and think are worthy of your attention because animators they gotta they gotta listen to podcasts yeah. and uh, makers of animated content yeah. you know um so cav do you have any on your on the top here it can be the more you can be the more obvious one now because it's the first episode yeah you know? just the straight like the straight off the bat yeah straight I, off the uh, dome what do you listen to i uh you know i feel like a lot of people know that i'm like a quite a connoisseur of the old blind boy podcast blind boy but that, podcast, that yeah. boy in the in the plastic bag seems to be dipping there seems to be a couple mm. of rocks in that pr- plastic bag that are weighing him down in the last couple of months i've kind of gone off him a little bit recently but with that i do enjoy when i'm listening to podcasts enjoying to a story element so i've been listening to like a lot of short stories recently Ooh, that's which cool. i thoroughly enjoy which are easy um i know i could go down the old um 
what's the name? I'm sure there'll be a future sponsor of ours. What's the name yes. of the audio book? Audible. Audible. Yeah. yeah. Where you get your first book free. Audible uh, owned by Amazon. So you're contributing to uh, workers pissing in iced tea bottles to makeshift. So there you go. I've actually had to get rid of them. And having to wax their armpits with duct tape from the yeah, boxes. Like it's that. incredible. No, they're doing like, yeah, you know, I mean, the richest man on the fucking planet who can't afford to pay his staff a yeah. decent wage. I'm a big kind of sci-fi fan or whatever, so I just look up. Uh, there's one particular, I'm sure you could put it in the show notes or whatever, but there's mm-hmm. one particular YouTube channel I use that seems to have, if people are a fan of those old weathered, like science fiction kind of anthologies, mm that you see with the, all those like kind of cool airbrush covers on them seem to have just a large collection of them and they're that's great for fun. that's so cool inspiration for the old sketchbook which yeah, I yeah. enjoy um, alright well we'll keep it limited to like one or two just because we need to stretch this out yeah yeah, so yeah. that'll do me that'll do me. you you got uh, some science fiction books that you can get on Audible or um, Blind Boy Podcast but dipping in quality so check the early episodes beware of the yeah. later ones so I'll do two to match mm-hmm. yours my main, my main bees, uh, boys, uh, whatever. <laughs> my main uh, listen is Chapo Trap House. Um, I love Chapo Trap House. It's a, a left podcast from uh, the United States. It's comedy. If you like your uh, John Oliver's, then uh, stop watching John Oliver because he is a fucking shill. And uh, <laughs> Chapo Trap House are like that, but further left and with the left critique, you know. It's not just Annie Blue will do in the United States. They're critical of uh, Trump, Hillary, and all of that. Um, obviously, in recent years, American politics has become fascinating to a lot of people. Uh, but you don't necessarily need to be into politics to listen to Chapo Trap House because they have a number of episodes with like Tim Heidecker, Pat Oswalt, uh, documentary filmmaker Adam Curtis, Naomi Klein, and they're very general talks. And it's a very therapeutic uh, listen when the tragedies of the time are going on. And the second thing I'm gonna I'm gonna do is because it just came to mind while you were saying books, but the audiobooks of Alan Partridge are up online. Oh. And they're fucking hilarious. Yeah. They're the funniest things I've not read them because I heard them. Yeah. But it's audiobooks read by Steve Coogan as Alan Partridge. And it's like the first one is called Um we need to talk about Alan. Yeah. Okay. And it's about like his career in broadcasting and it's a memoir. And then the second one is called Nomad. And it's like, you know, those kind of celebrity books that people write where it's like, here's a walk that I did to step in the footsteps of my my father yeah, or something yeah. like that. So he he um he does one of those type of books, but he's walking the route that his dad drove to do an interview in a power plant in Leeds or something <laughs> like that. So that was absolutely hilarious. Uh, definitely check that out. So that was Whistle While You Work. So we're going to wrap up by talking about what we want to do with the show. That's what I've done here. Nice. So we want to, again, like at the top of the program, we said provide a source for Irish animation news, goss, and uh, history. And uh, put a critical eye on the goings-on in the industry. And it's a bi-weekly podcast with the hopes of making it a weekly one where every second episode will be on Patreon. If we get enough listeners, like say, we'll keep going anyways if we don't, you know. So, uh, me and Cav, you can find us. uh, I'm on at Gareth Lyons Man on Twitter. We have at We Are Hack Inc., which is the Hackfest or Hack Incorporated official 
page so you can get your tweets and shit like that on, on Facebook HL as well. Yeah, catch us on Facebook. And then, Cav, do you want to tell us uh, your Twitter, your Instagram, or whatever, and if you have anything else coming up? Twitter-wise, that's where you find my doodles and stuff. That's just Cav with three A's and a little smooch at the end of it, an X. Mm. Uh, Instagram, you find me at Johnny Cigarette with another smooch there with a little X. And uh, if uh, people are around as well for discussing uh, specific ideas such as this or just uh, meeting and greeting other people in the industry, I'm hosting a drink and draw. Oh, nice. Very casual one in uh, Lucky's in um, just around the corner from Vicker Street there on the 30th of January. It's going to be a new night in town the last Wednesday of every month starting now. So it's just going to be a nice casual atmosphere of uh making a few pals maybe a couple of collaborations a few cool. parlor games perchance as well but uh, uh yeah we'll, cool. see what, we'll see what happens we'll see yeah. what happens um all right well um look forward to that and um you know hopefully we'll develop the show as it moves on and we have more segments and blah yeah. blah um all right that's it bye, bye.